Welcome everyone to another episode of Groundswell, an open-ended exploration into the sustainability and climate movement and my quest to document conversations with bright minds in the space. I'm your host, Danny Kirk, and today I'm joined by Nicole Cope. Nicole has worked in the solar industry since 2007 as co-owner of Technicians for Sustainability, concentrating on renewable energy technologies and social impact business. In 2017, with her guidance and support, TFS transitioned to an employee-owned cooperative with 27 co-owners and growing each year. She enjoys talking about clean energy, how we can do business better, and just about anything related to creating a more democratic economy. Nicole, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to be here, Danny. So Nicole, uh, could you give us a little bit of background about how you helped co-found TFS and kind of the story behind it? Sure. I've been officially working with TFS for just over 17 years now in the role of director of people and culture. But I was a sidelined observer for the first couple of years of TFS's operations with my husband and our business partner at the time as the primary owner operators. When my son was born in 2006, I went on maternity leave from my place of work and I started to get more and more involved with the company. Like most small business owners, I'm sure, we were putting everything we had into it. And for me, the draw has always been the impact of our work on people, from the customers that we work with in the community to the co-workers who eventually made up TFS as our employees. It's really that impact on people's lives that drew me in. And it's honestly what's kept me involved all of these years. Very interesting. And I know in 2017, you all moved to a employee-owned cooperative. Um, was that a difficult process or what did that look like transitioning from sole owners to employee-owned? It was a nonstop learning, as you can imagine. It was uh, exciting and it has continued to be an ever-evolving process. We really started thinking about employee ownership in 2009, I think, as we really saw there was a limit to how we could share the success of the company while still attending to the needs of keeping capital in the company, right? Very real for business owners. Um, and it wasn't really until we had put some time into building a couple of other what I'll call upstream cooperatives that the vision of what employee ownership could look like for us at TFS really started to crystallize. So by 2017, we had solidified that vision into bylaws. We had built out the structures and the procedures to really actualize it. It was a ton of fun. We started small. It was 14 employees that joined that initial round of ownership. And then from there, we've added owners each year, right? Sometimes as many as five a year. We've also had owners retire and owners move on to other careers. So I think right now we're around, I think we're at 27 co-owners. But really the, the move to becoming employee-owned as a cooperative, was really just a natural extension of our mission from the very beginning in 2003. We've been working to advance sustainability in the Southwest, while at the same time providing a positive work environment where employees are respected and fulfilled, or as I like to call it, uh, right livelihood, right? So we've seen that, that become possible through employee ownership. We've also think, seen that the creation of a thriving work environment really results in more positive customer experiences as well. Were there any uh, cooperative structures or cooperatives that truly inspired you early on before you all made the transition? 
Certainly, yes. Um, there were a number. I, I mentioned some upstream cooperatives that we had been part of founding. We In 2011, we had the opportunity to come together with colleagues in our industry, and we formed um, a purchasing cooperative uh, and also really a best practice sharing cooperative. In the beginning, there were five companies as part of that, and that has grown since then to be 80 companies nationwide and uh, as well as Canada. Through that process, we got close to a number of companies that were all in our industry. So it was easy to look at them and see ourselves in them. And there were a, a small handful that had variations of employee ownership. Some of them were cooperatives. Some of them were um, employee stock option businesses. But through that, we were really able to start to envision what the right model might be for TFS. And then I, I just have to give a shout out. There's um, a particular company, South Mountain Company, that has operated out of Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. And the founder, John Abrams, wrote just a fantastic book on employee ownership called The Companies We Keep. And in the early years, that was really, um, we, we had an author crush on John and, and we were quite enamored by the work they were doing at their company. Fast forward a few years later, John's business uh, applied to become members of the solar cooperative that we had created. And now he is uh, a friend um, and also a business colleague that we work quite closely with. So we were really blessed to have a number of companies that we could look to for model. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It's uh, incredible all the turns that we take in business and in life. And, you know, I swear we'll get to the solar aspect of it, but I just have to dive into this a little bit more. Um, what, what do you get from or what is kind of created and gotten both on the business and the employees and the customer side from an employee-owned cooperative that is not achieved, say, from uh, stock options and things like that? I think that the, probably the central piece from the employee side, as well as just the, the company experience, is I think it's a more authentic entrepreneurial experience, right? So you're getting people up close with the risk and reward that is the experience of being a business owner. But along with that goes those rights and responsibilities, that um, capacity to get excited by the opportunities and also to have skin in the game, right, for the, the pending crisis that are always on the horizon with business. Um, that proximity to those experiences, that having real skin in the game monetarily, having equity on the books, I think those, as well as the, the democratic piece, right? So, so we also have a, a voting mechanism in our employee ownership. And I think those are the pieces for us that really drew us to this model. I think employee stock um, options are powerful as well. And I think that there are a lot of entities that are working with that model around the country and certainly internationally to try and make it uh, increasingly engaged and vibrant. But for us, we were really interested in those pieces that would help approximate that entre entrepreneurial experience as much as possible. And uh, this worker cooperative model, was that was the right fit for us. Let's dive into kind of the solar aspect a little bit of the um, kind of a little bit more here. So what was the industry like 17 years ago here in uh, Southern Arizona? Sure. I think it was it was different, right? So TFS recently celebrated its 20th anniversary, and I've been lucky to call TFS my home for about 17 years. Clients in those years, those earlier years, mostly homeowners, some businesses, they were really early adopters, right? They were the first in their neighborhoods to go solar often. There wasn't yet full uh, public trust in the technology like there is today. And a large number of those early customers were really going solar for environmental motivations, right? There were some others who wanted to be part of new technology. That was really what was driving them. 
or a few that were looking to move away from uh, reliance on outsourced energy production. I think one of the interesting things to note is that um, the difference in the related parties, right? So we work very closely with the utilities and have for 20 years. We also work closely with the jurisdictions, whether it be the county or the city. And I think one of the biggest changes was that 20 years ago, they didn't have the, the sort of vision or the confidence or the, the proof of concept to know where solar was going or how significant it was going to be, right? So you had, um, you had the utilities questioning their capacity, for example, to get to 15% renewables by 2025 as, as the mandate that they were given, right? Um, what we saw when you started to fast forward just a few years, it was the utilities themselves that were already starting to, to move those numbers higher and higher as they started to understand the capacity for solar, right? And, um, and the viability of solar as part of that energy portfolio. So I think those are, are large changes we've seen. I think that um, on the average homeowner or consumer end, we've, we've seen solar really mainstream, right? We still have the engineer-minded clients that really want to dig into the technology. But we also have a lot of clients that don't think of it that differently than they think of buying a refrigerator or a new sound system, right? It's just a product that's going to deliver an experience for them. And what does TFS look like today? I assume things are absolutely bananas with all of the incentives and whatnot. Um, can you put any kind of numbers to that? You know, how many employees, how far out are you on projects booked? Um, any, anything like that? Sure. We have maintained a fairly steady size in terms of employee size for quite a few years. We're somewhere around 75 employees, 27 co-owners. And we continue to work in the commercial and residential solar electric space. Um, I think that where you'll see the most interesting change in our numbers is how booked out we are. And, and you referenced this. So currently, if we have clients getting in touch with us, exploring going solar on their homes, we're often scheduling those installations for 10 or even 12 months out into the future. Some of that has been um, a struggle to keep up on the labor side with skilled labor as solar has become more and more popular and really the general electrification, right? In addition to solar electric, we do uh, energy storage, which has become incredibly popular. We also do a lot of electric vehicle charging, both at the residential and commercial end. So the struggle has been to, to continue to find skilled labor that um, folks that want to go into that for work to keep up with the pace of growth that we're seeing on the renewable energy and clean energy side of things. And um, as far as kind of the workforce development, um, how do you see that changing with more programs coming out like Solar for All um, and others out there and incentives as well? Do more people need to be coming into solar? I mean, that seems obvious to me, but I clearly don't know the back end of it all. What does that look like from your vantage point? Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities, right? So we have opportunities to have young adults coming into the industry for the first time, to seeing those opportunities, whether that's at the community college level or technical trade school level or a traditional apprenticeship model. There's a lot of opportunities for that. I think that um, we see there's still a lot of education to do. We hope that, that some of these new funds that are out will give some opportunities to increase that. Certainly the IRA is looking at um, how to increase apprenticeship programs as part of the solar that's going in. And then the other thing we do is we see a lot of career repurposing, right? So people who are ready to make a pivot. We had a lot of that back in 2009 when we had people that were leaving the construction industry that really tanked and were looking for solid work. And 
we uh, were lucky to onboard a number of staff at that time who are still with us today. And we see a, a similar opportunity now where you have a lot of people who are looking, especially with COVID and some some transitions in, in careers that people are interested in. We have a lot of people who are looking for something new. I think the struggle is just to continue to get the word out around um, how many skill sets can be applicable to solar, right? So a lot of people come in with this preconceived idea that if they don't know how to do electrical work, there's there's not a, a job for them in solar. Clearly, even even in the field, there's skill sets that um, that go far beyond electrical. And then beyond that, obviously, solar has uh, career opportunities all throughout from the design and sales phase to the engineering all the way through to um, the long-term operations and maintenance on systems. With such demand as we're experiencing right now, does TFS grow infinitely or is there a steady state that it achieves that the co-owners will be happy with? What does that look like to everyone involved? Well, I'm just one of many, but I'll give you the, the answer that we're currently batting around, which is that we're really lucky to have joined into this partnership I referenced earlier, the Amicus Cooperative. So we have 80 like-minded companies around the country and in and, and Canada and Puerto Rico. And the beauty of that is that it allows TFS to continue our hyper-local focus, to continue to meet the needs of our Southern Arizona community while also ensuring that we have often large partners we work with, they want to do multi-state contracts, that we have a way to also service those clients, right? We have other companies that we can work with to help ensure that those systems not only get built, but get built at the high quality that TFS supports. At the hyper-local end here in Tucson, there's still a lot of solar to do, right? So we're really proud of the adoption rate and renewable energy that the TEP service territory and TRICO our two local electric utilities have seen, but we also recognize there's just a tremendous uh, amount of work to be done still. So our goal in the next 10 years is to continue to serve our community to the extent that we can. So what we would like to do, what our goal is, is to maintain our market share, knowing that the market is going to grow um, significantly, which means we're going to need to grow as well. So we're doing the work that, that needs to be done to put those pieces in place to make sure that we're still showing up each day at the level of quality that TFS believes in. An ethos that we adopted really early on is, you know, this concept of it's, it's not just what we do, but how we do it. And we're moving forward as consciously as we can to make sure that that's part of our future and part of the future and the, the way we're serving Southern Arizona. Now, I should have disclaimed this at the beginning, but I'm a two-time customer of TFS here in Tucson, and I consider you guys the gold standard um, in the industry. That kind of implies that there are actors in the industry that may be less than the gold standard. What is your viewpoint of the rest of the industry? You know, companies coming in from out of state, knocking on doors, selling contracts to fulfillers, things like that. There are a lot of solar companies with business practices that are less than ideal for customers. That's been the case for a long time now. For us, we generally feel like more solar is good. Uh, we also work hard to make sure that we can continue to push good information out to the community. So it's, it's not important whether a client goes with TFS over another solar company, but what is important is that in 10 years, their solar is still functioning. It's still delivering on the promise of delivering clean energy to them as well as financial savings for them. So the 
primarily the advocacy work we've done and the focus we try and do with clients is just to make sure people understand what to look for when they're vetting solar companies. And then we also work pretty openly with um, other solar companies to the extent we can to try and help ensure that we're aligning on best practices for our industry, because it's really the reputation of solar we need to protect, right? We know that people need to trust solar, they need to believe it works, and they need to see that in the proof in order for us to continue to get uh, the adoption, clearly, of, of renewable energy that we need. Let's talk about company culture. I have spoken with a few of your employees as well as your co-owners, and Across the board, they all say that the company culture at TFS is really kind of the driving force to why everyone is just so amazing. Um, I, it sounds like you're in charge of that. How did you accomplish such a thing? I think I got really lucky, Danny, to be surrounded in the beginning by just fantastic folks. So the first non-owner that was hired at TFS back in 2005 is still with us today and is now a co-owner. And we, he got us off to a great start and we, we really never looked back. Um, I think that there has been from the beginning, a very high level of trust. And in addition, there's been a real shared sense of mission. And I know that can, um, that can come across cheap. And these days, a lot of people talk about mission. I think the thing that's worth noting is that, um, People come to our mission from all different angles, right? Sometimes I say it's like the spokes of a bicycle wheel. They might not operationalize that in the same way. Um, it might look differently, but how they approach it, how they move through their day-to-day -day life. But I think what has typically been a shared experience is that people that are working with us, whether they're on our administrative teams or they're the people that are working in the field, they're really committed to installing a high-integrity solar that's going to last for the long term for the betterment of our community. And um, along with that, we threw in a, a lot of fun and I think a high level of trust. And it, it's sort of magic, but it seems like it's worked out. Is there any one thing that you hire for that you uh, rate much higher than anything else or kind of, kind of aim to look for in people, no matter all the other things that might be involved? Certainly, I'd say we hire for, we, we have to say we hire for character, not skill. We could teach the skills. Um, and to get into the character piece a little bit, I think people that enjoy working with others, that have a lot of fun collaborating. We also look for people who are pretty agile. We have been in an industry that likes to joke that it's the solar coaster, right? Um, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of moving parts in an industry that has been primarily policy driven for a lot of years. So you need to be adaptable. And I, I think that we look for people whose sort of nature is to not get upset by that, but to see a fun challenge. Uh, along with that, I think we work hard to find people who um, are pretty self-driven. And uh, we've had typically really low levels of, of management, and that works well for us, but it doesn't work well for, for all people. So we kind of look for that to be part of it as well. Um, and then people who like to like to be outside and, and move their move their bodies, use their hands and have fun. Even our administrative staff ends up getting out into the field a fair amount. So that works well for us. What do you think incentivizes employees to do good work or kind of put differently? What do all of us want out of a job um, kind of outside of a pay that supports um, happiness in life? Well, I think it's probably a search for meaning of one sort or another, right? And I think what that 
looks like is a little different for each of us. I think we see people want autonomy, right? They want a say in their workplace often. I think that's part of the beauty of what the employee ownership model offers. I think by and large, people seem to want to work ahead on something bigger than themselves as part of the team. I think that's also something that certainly uh, some of the challenges of working in renewable energy for the last 20 years have provided. There's a real sense that you're making the world a better place every day. I also think there's something fun about work. A lot of us do um, a lot of us do work that can be hard. Uh, it's not so tangible. It can be hard to see, right? And uh, no matter where you work in TFS, you can see the results of your efforts and your coworkers' efforts in, in the physical form, right? In the field, which is really fun and I think really satisfying for people. We, we sometimes joke that people need some field time. They need that therapy if they've been behind the computer for too long and they're sort of getting disconnected. Uh, they need that time seeing delighted customers that have just had their solar turned on and are watching their their meter register their solar production. So I think that's a big part of um, what the work we do offers. You know, I, it seems to me that it's hard to argue that uh, capitalism hasn't been a net positive for the world, bringing people out of abject poverty, um, you know, creating wealth. The problem is, is that that wealth usually consolidates to the few that own it. Um, do you think that cooperatives are the best of all possible worlds, allowing people skin in the game, but then evenly distributing it? I think that I wouldn't go so far as to say they're the best. I think what I would say is that I think we need some interesting alternatives. We need alternatives that get people fired up and we need alternatives that do something other than um, centralize that, that shareholder primacy, right? And so I think cooperatives are one of many interesting alternative business models that are being used right now. People are hungry for a new way, right? And they're looking for examples in action. Um, I think that we, we're going to see a lot of iterations of the cooperative model. And I think we need to, because I don't think there's a one size fits all for business structure. Are there any other models that come to mind? There's a model that I'm quite interested in right now. Not a lot of people are trying it out called a perpetual trust. And so it's this concept where you would take a, a business entity and move it into a trust. So we know an employee stock option program usually has a trust model as well. But in the perpetual trust, um, it's, a, it's a slightly different model. You do have some democratic control by the owners. And the idea is that that entity is maintained in service of the mission for, for the long term. You're not seeing it a lot. I know a handful of companies that have adopted it. But I think when you hear sort of some of the buzz around alternative business models, a lot of people are talking about it and have a lot of curiosity uh, around, you know, whether it holds some additional promise. It's interesting, you know, in the first 13 years of TFS, we were frequently asked to speak, share about clean energy, to talk about solar, to, to talk about how we did business differently. But since becoming employee-owned, those requests started uh, coming in more frequently, and they started coming in all from all over the U.S. and all over the world, really centered on the employee ownership portion and those alternative business models. And it was a real indication for us that, um, that people are, are really interested in seeing some examples, real-life examples, and often industry-specific. People want to understand, they want to see models of how people in their same industry are doing something slightly different than they are, something that might offer some possibility for them. Interesting. Um, am I incorrect in thinking that 
Patagonia was put into a perpetual trust recently? Was there a corporation put into that? I think they did move into a perpetual trust model. And actually, it's it's interesting. The only other company that I know was doing it, I think they were also one of the other primary companies that did it. They have some connection to Patagonia. And they um, they were, it was, I'm, I'm spacing the name right now, but they're a grocery um, a grocery brand up in the Pacific Northwest. And so I think similarly, you'll see some some crossovers, right? Patagonia has gotten in the last number of years into sustainable agriculture. So they actually have a, a really large number of, of contacts and business sharing in the sustainable agriculture world. And I, I believe that's where that perpetual trust model overlap came from. Do any other amazing companies or inspiring companies from your viewpoint come to mind? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here and I'm going to feel bad for all the companies that I'm not naming. Um, here, here, I'll name one in our, this is industry specific, but I think they're doing interesting things. So um, Revision Solar, which had an origin story, not unlike TFS's, right? A few guys scrappy in a shed in the backyard started a solar company. Um, what they have managed to do that not a lot of people in our industry have done is both to scale up, to maintain an incredibly high level of integrity, to become employee owned. And they've gone on to merge or acquire with companies throughout um, the Northeast and in through New England and New York. And they, I think that there are somewhere over 400 people in operating now. So there aren't a lot of players in the renewable energy market that aren't either large uh, multi-state corporations, right, or very small solar companies. So I think what's interesting about Revision is they're sort of using various uh, techniques through employee ownership to maintain that high integrity, high quality culture, high positive experience for the customer. But they're also scaling more like we've seen some national brands scale and just making a tremendous amount of impact. Obviously, in renewable energy, the more you can scale, the more you can also have a positive impact on policy, right, to help make sure that um, policy in, in the regions that you're working is positive for the customers and is promoting renewable energy. With the greenhouse gas reduction fund money coming out in the next, you know, say six to nine months from the EPA, um, I assume most of that is probably pretty exciting. What worries do you have around $27 billion being dumped into the green market? Yeah, I think across the industry, there's a lot of anticipation, um, big money entering, right, between the IRA and the GGRF funds. Um, right now, in some ways, projects are actually slowing down as some companies wait for, for example, on the IRA side, they're waiting for domestic content on solar panels. I mean, it, it, these funds are aimed, right, at mitigating the impact of climate change and reducing greenhouse gas emissions, right? And in an ideal world, they're going to support the deployment of solar infrastructure and tech. We're going to see that happen on a massive scale. There's going to be financial incentives, subsidies, grants to businesses and communities, right? I want to be able to say that these funds will play a pivotal, pivotal role in accelerating that transition to, to more clean, renewable energy. Obviously, a current concern with all of these funds uh, is that you have opportunists entering the industry, right? We, we, need the, we need some entrance into the market. We need to ramp up. So I think a question we have in front of us, Danny, is, is how do you control the disbursement of those funds to ensure that they also benefit the customer needs, as opposed to just having financiers or solar contractors take all the wins, right? And we're still waiting to see, is that, is that going to happen successfully? I think I have concerns about 
around who uses the funds and how I'd like to see them used to support better financing and development of low-income solar projects, for example. And we'll see if that materializes. I think that the hope is to see that benefit expand beyond financiers, include the clients, but really all the way from homeowners to commercial to nonprofit entities. Ideally, we'd see shorter term loans and lower payments for customers so they can realize better savings and we can continue to scale this industry and the impact it can have. Always our final question is around investing in things that never change. Uh, the idea being that humans are really bad at predicting what will change, but really good at predicting what will never change. What are you and the co-owners of TFS investing in that you believe will never change? We are investing in the assumption that we are going to need to power our community with clean energy because we don't think that humans are going to stop using electricity or uh, energy anytime soon. Well put. Well, Nicole, thanks very much for coming on our show. If listeners are interested in learning more about what you're doing, where can I point them to online? Sure, they can find us at tffsolar.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook under that same handle and on LinkedIn. Excellent. I will link to those in the show notes. Nicole, this was an absolute pleasure. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me on today, Danny. And thanks to you, my dear listener, for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a good review. Take care and see you soon.